Okay, so today's daf is Yud in Shikalim. We are on the bottom of Tet Amud Bet with the new Perek, uh, where it says, Halacha Alev, Mishnah says, Tumah, Ma Hayu Osinba. What did they do with this Tumah Talishka? In other words, we know that they collected all these Shikalim, and then of course we mentioned that they uh, take three boxes. They, according to the Rambam, there are three big boxes first, and then they take into three smaller boxes from the three big boxes. According to everyone else, it's just a pile of money. But they take everything into three small boxes. Okay, what do they do with this? It's called Trumat Alishka, the main, um, the main money that they take from the money collected. What do they do with it? And this is what they buy the Korban Tamid with, the Musaf Korbanot with it, Veniskehem, all of the accompanying wine and flour, Haomer, the Korban Haomer, the Shtei Alechem, the loaves of Shavuot, Velechem Apanim, the showbread of each Shabbat. All of the community korbanot come from this money. Now, one of the things that they had to do, it's interesting, we don't think about it, but during Shemitah, they had the problem that they needed, they needed uh, vegetation for the korbanot because they needed, let's say, for the korban omer barley. But they weren't allowed, you know, because of Shemitah, they had problems with, the, you know, with, with that. So what they had was they had guys that would go and they would guard certain areas to make sure that since everything is is free for all on Shemitah, everyone can come take it. So they had people guard to make sure that there was something left for the Bet HaMikdash that wouldn't be taken. And so these are called Shomrei Safichin. The Safichin, Safichin is the aftergrowth, the natural growth that happens on Shemitah. They would pay them from this money also because they were doing a service to the Korban, right? The, the, the people who would watch it. They had to have people oh, watch it. Watch yeah, they had to be paid. Buying the wheat, yeah, they didn't want... They, they, they watched... The no, no, they were watching the, the growth of the Shemitah, so nobody would come yeah. take that. Yeah, it's the Afghars, yeah. Yeah, it's like a mashkiah, exactly. A person could go do this on their own. They don't have to be paid. Meaning, why can't we get volunteers to do it? You don't need... They don't need to... Uh, they don't need to be paid. But they said you have to tell him that these korbanot can only come from the communal funds. What did they mean? They meant that if an individual volunteers to watch it, it's almost as if he acquires what he watched automatically by default. He acquires it as payment for. In other words, he's watching something for free. He gets to. He gets. He acquires it basically through this process, and it's almost like he's giving it to the Beit Hamikdash because it's like because I'm watching it, I'm standing here. It's like it's basically mine because have care, so I could take it, right? So the fact that I'm now giving it to the Beit Hamikdash, it's a personal donation. So it's not supposed to work like that. It's supposed to be purchased from the money of the Beit Hamikdash, and that's why they insisted on paying the worker, the watchman, from the money of the Beit Hamikdash to show that it belonged to them. So Rabbi Yossi is saying, no, what's the problem? Let the guy watch it, and then he's doing it for he's a volunteer. They said, no, no, no volunteers, because then it makes it his that he's giving, right? So we want it to be that we pay him. He's an employee, right? Now we're, we'll see more in the Gemara. The Gemara says, uh, now it really it should say, Taman Tanen on the, the Gemara says. Over there we learned in the Mishnah that, right? What is the, that there is, uh, is the word Mara'a, he says, doesn't really uh, belong. But she says, that the the uh, they had certain days. It says in Masachetanit where they um, where people would have a uh, would bring wood. Certain families would bring wood offerings to the Beit Hamikdash. Talks about Masachetanit a lot of detail about that, right? So it's called the uh, the um, 
the korban etzim. They, they would bring they would bring the wood to donate, and there's a history behind it, and it tells the reason. When they came from the uh, the uh, uh, when it, during this early period of the second Beit Hamikdash, there was a shortage of wood. So um, So certain families contributed. Wood of their own, they gave it to the community, and they offered the korbanot of the community from that. And so the Nevi'im made a special institution, that even if the, the Bet HaMikdash has a surplus of wood, but these families want to give, that their wood goes first. In other words, even if the Bet HaMikdash has plenty of wood, but this family that's, uh, you know, Goldstein, I don't know, they, they are the family, so they will give wood, then we use their wood first. It's an honor to these families because in the time of the Bet HaMikdash where they needed it, in the beginning of the second Bet HaMikdash, they stood up and did it, and each of those families would have a special day that was their day to bring. It talks about Masachet it was their day to bring, and that day, you know, they would be like a celebration and all that. We're going to see a little more about that, but that's the rule. So, um, so what do you see from here? You see that a person, what was the, what, why is this related to our Mishnah? Because our Mishnah just said that you can't have a, um, a personal donation become a communal korban. Right? Because it says that we don't want those watchmen to watch the, the, the produce because then it becomes theirs, basically. They have a right to it. And they're basically giving it to us. Because it could have been theirs. They had entitlement to it. So therefore, but it, and we said, you can't do that because then, the, then a communal korban is coming from an individual gift. But here you see that they did that with the wood. So what's the answer? So he says, oh, I'll tell you, Amar Biyachar, Biyachar said to Rabbi Yossi, he must be Rabbi Yossi, really. Right? Because the Rabbi Yossi Omer, See, in the Mishnah, it's called Rabbi Yossi. They call him Rabbi Yossi. Same thing. Okay? Now it says, he said that the that the, that if a person wants to volunteer to watch the Shemitah produce for the sake of the Korbanot, even though that makes him entitled naturally to keep that stuff and he's then giving it over to the Beit HaMikdash, it's okay. An individual can give the communal Korban. Right? He can gift it to the community, according to Rabbi Yossi. So you see here also, this this idea of the, of the Korban Etzim, that these families gave their own personal wood for the Beit HaMikdash could only be according to Rabbi Yossi. But it says Rabbi Yossi. Wood is different from Korban. Korban korba has to be from everybody's money. So does everything. All the expenses really are supposed to be that way on purpose because we don't want it to be that a guy says, you know, this Korban is mine. It's mine. Right. So even if he says, oh, this wood, I gave it. It's mine. So they, that's the problem. Same, same concept. Anything that's done for the community really should be only from communal fund because we don't want an individual to feel like they have more of an ownership of it. Of any, any individual has more of an ownership it, uh, than anyone else, you know? Mm. So, so Rabbi Yossi, B'Shem Rabbi Ila, Divrei Akoli. He says, no, it's not necessarily only Rabbi Yossi in the, uh, in the Mishnah that agrees, that says that these people can bring the wood. It's everyone. Everyone agrees that. Mabligin bigufozo koban, about machibe koban, kolama modee, sheu mishtene koban yachid koban sibo. This is what basically what you're saying. In other words, wood is different. Because wood is called machshire koban. That's something that we use for the koban. Right? It's not the korban itself. So in the korban itself, right, that's where Rabbi Yossi and the Chachamim are arguing. Because they're talking about the actual um, uh, growth from the ground that's going to be used. The actual barley that's going to be used for the korban. There, Rabbi Yossi says, oh, an individual can give it. And they said, no, 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 he can't give it as a gift to the community. It has to be from the communal font. Right? But when it comes to the wood, everyone agrees. If an individual wants to donate the wood, that's okay. Right? It's like the difference between donating the kiddush. 
right? Yeah. The guy gives, donates the Kiddush. All right, that's very nice. He donated the Kiddush. What if a person says, this is my synagogue. I gave the money, it's mine. Right? So that's different. People will feel, oh, it's mine. So if I'm not friends with this guy, I can't come, right? Then it becomes more of a problem. Right? It's one thing to put dedication of a person, but I'm saying if they feel it, they own the building, so that becomes more problematic. Right? Right. Because a person says, I can't, I don't, I don't feel comfortable, I, I can't come, it's not really mine, it's not that. That's the problem. Now, similar. Uh, it's going to say, If a woman makes, let's say, the big day kihuna, she makes the tunic, the white tunic for the kohen. Okay? So, it's okay. She has to give it over to the community so then the Kohen can use it. In other words, she shouldn't be making a private service for the Kohen, uh, a tailoring service for the Kohen. She shouldn't be doing that, right? Because then it's not communal, but she can give it to the community and then the community will give it to them, right? So, Amar Rabbi Yachal, Rabbi Yossi here. Again, that's Rabbi Yossi, because only Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Yossi, because Rabbi Yossi is the one that says an individual can give a gift and that gift then becomes... <laughs> the possession of the community. But Rabbi Yossi Bishem Rabbi Ilah again says, and this is obviously talking about a different Rabbi Yossi than the Mishnah. It's talking about the Rabbi Yossi of the, uh, an Amora, that's Rabbi Yossi, right? The Reakol. Everyone agrees that she can, that a woman can make a tunic for the coin Gadol. Map, or, or for regular coin. Everybody agrees that it's okay to, uh, when it's Machshire Korban. It's not the Korban itself. It's the clothing of the Kohen Gadol. Or the clothing of the coin that an individual can give and say I gave it, but the but the korban itself they can't give. Okay, now the uh, now here we have a correction in the text. It should say matnitapliga al Rabbi Acha. Rabbi Acha was the one saying that only Rabbi Yossi subscribes to the idea that there could be such a thing as individual gift of wood, right? That goes to the Beit Hamikdash that becomes communal. Only Rabbi Yossi says that. But we see the Mishnah disagrees, or Brighton disagrees, because it says, The Chachamim said that those celebratory days that those families had, that they would, they would have like a Yom Tov in their family on the day that they give the wood, right? That's even when there's no Korban. Um, and moreover, but Rabbi Yossi says, It was a machloka between Rabbi Yossi and the Chachamim actually, whether those days were still a yom, yom Tov for the family, even after the destruction of the Beit HaMikdash. Okay, and the, and the Gra'ah here takes out Ve'od Min Hadad Ditanya, he takes this word out too. And he says, Rama Rabbi Eliezer Rabbi Tzadok, Anu Mibnei San'a Ben-Benyamin, Ve'chal Tisha Be'av Liyot Be'Shabah, Ve'zachinu Oton Motzei Shabbat, Ve'inu Metanim Lamashlimin. This is a uh, famous Gemara. It, it appears actually in, uh, in Masachet Tanit of the Bavli. That he said, I am from one of these families. Okay, I'm from one of these families. San Abin bin Yamin. And we had, our day was the 10th of Av. Their day was the 10th of Av that they brought wood. So normally, Motzei Tisha B'Av for them was a holiday. But one year, Tisha B'Av fell out on Shabbat. So it was pushed off to Sunday. The 10th of Av said, so we didn't finish Tisha B'Av that year. Because it was our Yom Tov wow. for our family. We only fasted until the afternoon and then we broke the fast. Because it was Nidche, it was already pushed off. So what was the point? So you see that even after the destruction of the Beit HaMikdash, because they didn't have, uh, they didn't have Tisha B'Av during uh, that time, even after the destruction of the Beit HaMikdash, they still had these holidays. So what does that show you? It shows you uh, that that's what the Chachamim are saying. Chachamim are saying that even, you know, even when there was no Korban, they had the, uh, they had the uh, celebration for the bringing of the wood. But even the Chachamim are saying that families could donate the wood individually. That's against what Rabbi Achav was saying. Rabbi Achav was saying, no, only Rabbi Yossi would allow individuals to donate the wood. 
the Chachamim would not allow. You see from here that the Chachamim did allow it, and it was done even after the Beit HaMikdash was destroyed, that they still celebrated these holidays. The celebration was only um, for those families? Only for that family. Yeah. The family had like their personal Yom Tov, and it, it was like a Brit Milah. Yeah. What, happens, what happens to a Brit Milah, for example, falls on a fast that's pushed off, right? If a Brit Milah, let's say Shiva Sabbatamuz this year, right? And Tisha B'Av this year. Pushed off to Sunday from Shabbat. And you have a, and you have a Brit. They're, they're allowed to eat. They usually, what they do is they have it in the afternoon. So they fast part of the day. Oh. But they're allowed to eat. Right? Because it's, a, uh, it's their Yom Tov for them. Not everybody, not everyone who comes. It's not like the Siyum of first morn. You know? But only the, uh, only the Sandak, the, the father, the, you know, the, they could do. Anyway, the... Um, Let's see. So everything, everything that is a communal korban comes from the tumata lishka, from this money. Okay, now we skip the parentheses. Any korbanot that are brought from flour, it's obviously talking about, can come either from within the land or outside the land. From this year's crop or last year's. Except for the Omer and the Shteyalechem, the bread of Shavuot. It has to come from this year's grain. And it has to come from Israel. Okay, so those are the two ex- ex- exceptions. In the other cases, you could bring from outside Israel, and you could bring from last year's crop if you wanted to, for the any of the other is from, uh, wheat, Omer is from barley, right? Correct, yeah. Okay. He said, this is Rabbi Ishmael. Because, why? Because Rabbi Ishmael said, You can't bring the Omer from Surya. Surya is like uh, Syria, basically. But it's a, it's a, it, ha- it was conquered by David Melech, so therefore it has like a quasi-Eretz Israel status, but not enough for, to, be, to qualify for the Omer. Tamantan, we learned over there in the Mishnah Yisr Kiddushotin, famous Mishnah Yisr Kiddushotin, there are ten levels of Kiddushah, it says that Eretz Israel is holier than all other lands. It's in the Sidur, actually, because it's, uh, sometimes people read it for a... Uh, for uh, for a shiva or something like that, they read it as their kedushot. But they've Eretz Yisrael kol aratan mai kedushata shemivin mena how we vabikurim. What makes Eretz Yisrael holy? That you bring the Omer and the first fruits from it. And stay alechem. Hashem mivin ken kol aratzot because you don't bring it from any other land. Rabbi Chia b'shem Rabbi Yirmiyad Rabbi Shmuel he again. That's Rabbi Shmuel's opinion. That Rabbi Shmuel Amar in Omer in Omer ba minasuria. In other words, he holds that you can only bring the Omer from the land of Israel. You can't bring it from outside. And that's, so all of these uh, Mishnayot that say that, that the Omer has to be brought from Israel are talking from Rabbi Ishmael's perspective. The other Chachamim said you could bring it from outside too. <clears throat> now, Tanena, uh, we learned. Rabbi Ishmael Omer, Ma'charish Rishut of Katsir Rishut. So because it says, Ba'charish Ba'katsir Tishvot. You have to rest. That's actually read it this morning. That's interesting. You know, you see that uh, Hashem works in mysterious ways. There you go. Right? Oh, yeah, 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 we read this morning. Right. You should rest in the Kharish and the Katsir, in the uh, in the harvesting and in the, the plowing and the harvesting. Right? Uh, so what does that tell you? Rabbi Shwelomer just like you have to rest from plowing and that is Rashut, that is personal for personal interest, so too you have to rest from Katsir from uh, from harvesting that is personal. Yatsakatsira omer Mitzvah, which excludes the Omer, which is a mitzvah. In other words, you're allowed to do that both on Shabbat, because some interpret that Pasuk is talking about Shabbat, some interpret it as talking about Shemitah. But in both, the point is that um, 
that when it says there are some who say that extra pasuk isn't referring to Shabbat because you already know that uh, you're not allowed to plow and, and harvest on Shabbat. It's talking about Shemitah. But it, whether, either way, it's true for both. Right? You're allowed to harvest the Omer on Shabbat if the, if the second night of Pesach turns out to be Shabbat. And you're, that was a big argument between the Baitosim and, uh, and, and the rabbis. And then you're also allowed um, uh, during Shemitah to do it Right, that's what he says. The the prohibition is only on personal for personal use. Now the Gra here again tells us to skip part here that we should go to Mantana Shomrisafikit, which means you skip this next uh we skip three lines down. One, two, three. It says Mantana Shomrisfikit Bashviit, not Nitzchavatalishka. Who is the one who says that those who watch the grain? Okay, the people who watch the grain for, uh, for, during Shvi'it, they watch it because they want to make sure that there's going to be barley for the Omer and there's going to be wheat for the Shtei uh, Alechem so that people won't come take it. You pay them from the money that normally goes to the Korbanot. Who says that? Rabbi Shmaili. It's Rabbi Shmael. Why is it Rabbi Shmael? Because obviously, if according to the other rabbis that you could bring the Omer and the Shtei Alechem from grain that comes from outside of Israel, so import it then if it's Shemitah. Why do you have to have somebody sitting there watching it? Right? Just import it during the Shemitah. So it says, you see, it's Rabbi Ishmael. I'm Rabbi Yosef. He says, says no, Devrei Akoli. Lo matu v'suriya v'inotav v'suriya v'Israel. Right? So he said that, no, even according to those who say that in theory you could bring the, the wheat for, the, for Shtei Alechem or the barley for the Omer from Surya, from other places where there's no Shemitah applying, right? Even according to them, what if you don't find it in Surya? What if you don't find it? You're going to have to come back to Israel and find it. So therefore we, got, we try to make sure that there's something rever- that is reserved for the Omer and for the Shtelechem in Israel, even though, even according to those that you can go outside of Israel to get it. We still have to have as a backup something in Israel. Okay, so therefore, you have those guards who are watching the grain. What about planting the Omer during Shemitah? In other words, let's say there, you don't think there's going to be enough growth for the Omer for uh, Shemitah that's going to happen by itself. Right, because normally you just get the aftergrowth that happens by itself. What can you plant? Can you purposely plant during shemitah for that? Rabbi Chia Barada ba'ekom Rabbi Mana. So Rabbi Rabbi Chia Barada asked this in front of Rabbi Mana. Lo nimzak gometz al shirai shena nechalin. He said, "Won't that that would be a problem? Why would it be a problem? Because you're not supposed to offer a korban that you can't eat, and if you plant something in shemitah deliberately, and then it grows." Even though, right, even though it's for the mitzvah, maybe you could offer it, but you can't eat it. And the kohanim are supposed to eat the rest of the barley. And so, so you won't be able to eat it. So how can you bring it? So he says, We already learned, actually, we learned this in the last Masechet. This was in Masechet Tzachim. That there were five things that can be brought bitumah, but they're not eaten bitumah. And one of them is, like the Omer and the Shtelechem, that even if they became Tamei, since they're communal korbanot, they're brought, but they're not eaten, right? So just like they could be brought bitum'ah and not eaten, so too they could be brought from Shemitah and not eaten, right? It's okay, right? So that's, a, so, uh, that's the, uh, so really, in theory, you could maybe plant, actually, the barley if you needed to, for the sake of the korban ha-Omer, even during Shemitah. Now, they ask the question, also, uh, that uh, Ketzad will say, how did they pay these workers? 
not, it was a very roundabout way that they did it. They didn't just take money out of the Chumata Lishka that had, was holy money and pay the worker with the holy money. They didn't do that. No, no, you can plant, plant just for uh, uh, common They're saying, they're saying that, that that's possible. They didn't reject it in the end. They didn't reject that idea. I don't know what the final halacha is, but um, I, I think actually the, the final halacha is you could. If you needed to, but... Um, the other one, it had the potential to be eaten, but became tomato or something. Right. Oh, this it's never had the potential, you're saying. That's true. That's true. It is a, it's a good distinction. That's true. Now, he says, what did they do with this money to pay these people? So they didn't give them the holy money directly. They couldn't do that. So what did they do? Oh, this was very... very it was complicated, yeah. yeah. So, they went to the money changer and they took some money from him. They gave it to the people who harvested and watched the grain, all that. Before, they brought the Omer, right? Then they brought the money, the holy money. So, in other words, they first of all had the Shulchani, the guy, pay them up front. Then they took the holy money. And, And, and then they desanctified the money that was holy on the Omer grain and made it holy. So they transferred the Kedusha from the money onto the Omer grain. And then what did they do? They then paid back, obviously, the Shulchani guy who fronted the money. Right. Okay? Now, could they really do that? What's the problem? The problem is that when you take that barley, you end up grinding it up. Roasting it, grinding it, sifting it, a lot of it goes to waste. They don't use, they don't use all of it. So you're putting Kedusha on too much, right? You're putting Kedusha on too much, right? So Rabbi Achabishim, Rabbi Ba, Kol What they have intention for is we're only putting the Kedusha on whatever ultimately is going to be for the uh, for the Omer, right? The whatever that's what we're attaching the value to. That's what we're transferring it to. Okay, what to what? In other words, he says, you can't, you're going to deconsecrate the money on this, on this barley, but not all the barley is really going to be used. So they intend from in advance, we're only deconsecrating on whatever portion of the barley is going to become actual, be used, actually be used, right? So, uh, and, and, and again, it says, Tana similarly, they did the same thing with the people who are making the, the stones for the Beit HaMikdash. They had the Shulchani, who was like basically a money lending guy, give the money to the workers. Okay? Chotzvin are the people who hew the rock out of the, out of the mountain, and the Satatin are the people who are shaping the rock. Before they put it up, meaning until it's, before it's actually placed in its, its location, right? So, the, so then... So that's that's what they that then they already paid them. Then Mishnitana Dimos once it was put up and ready to be installed, so to speak, right? So they took the holy money, and they deconsecrated it on the rocks. Okay, the tafut can is that appropriate? Rabbi Yosi, Rabbi Bon, B'shem Shmuel, Washington, In other words, you're right that even there, there's going to be some more further refining of the rock to get it to fit and all that. Some of it's going to go to waste. From the beginning, they only intend for the money to be deconsecrated on the parts of the rock that actually make it in, right? That actually make the cut, literally, that actually make the cut into the, yeah, yeah. Now we go to the Amud Bet. So, Halakha Bet. Remember, there's two, there's two stores of money. There's something called Trumata Lishka, which is the main money that they take out in those three small uh, boxes. That's like for Korbanot themselves. Things that are considered Korbanot themselves, Right? So what does that include? The para aduma, sira mishteleach. That's the uh, for Yom Kippur, the uh, scapegoat, the goat that's chased away, right? With the shon shel zorit, 
also the tongue of Zorit, the red uh, 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 fabric that is put into the Duma, that also is considered like part of the offering, because you have to mention it. it. No, it's not talking about that one. It's talking about the one that goes into the into the uh, paraduma. Kevesh para the kevesh yamasalech. These are ramps. They would take the paraduma up on a ramp to uh, uh, to its area where they would do the service because they didn't want any tumah underneath. So they had a special ramp to make sure there was no tumah under there. Right. Also, yeah, all the way from the yeah across there. It's a big big deal. And also for the siyar mishdalech because the guy, the kohen that was taking the siyar mishdalech, would be attacked by the people when he would go out. Because they wanted all their sins to go fast. Out, out. So they would be grabbing it. So he had to have a special ramp to get out, exit, so that he wouldn't be uh, swamped by the people who were trying to get out. So this is not a korban itself, obviously, right? And also the, the string that went between the horns of the Sira Mishdalech itself. That's what you were talking about before, right? That he would cut and then he would put one piece on the rock. Yeah. That's talking about this. So that is not considered a korban itself. Also the drainage uh, a canal of the Beit HaMikdash. And also, uh, and also Chomotair, the, str- the walls of the city. And also its, pil- its uh, um, towers. And everything else having to do with maintaining Jerusalem. They come from the leftover money. In other words, the money that they directly take into those three containers to use for korban things includes the first half of this Mishnah. But extra things, structural things, like making a ramp, fixing a wall, and all that, that comes with the money that's left in the chamber after they took it out. After they took out what they needed for communal korban, oh, whatever's left in that chamber, that goes to the rest of these things. But okay. But they have it every day, no? Yeah. So Three times that? a year they would go in Oh, take in those three boxes a certain amount of money that would hold them from Pesach to Shavuot, Shavuot to Sukkot. Okay, from, right? the small, yeah. from the small the, From that, the smaller c- containers they use that. Now, um, Abba Shaul Omer, Kevesh Para, Korim Tolim Osim Shalatzman. Actually, the Kohen Gadol would donate his own ramp for the Para Aduma to go from the uh, Harabait over to the area where they would do it. He made his own ramp. He paid for it out of his pocket. Okay? Now, Motal Shirelishka. What about the leftover money that is the second tier money? Remember, there's first tier money, which is the money that has to go to the korbanot. Second tier money is the money that's left over after that that's used for the needs of the city and all these other things that are not considered korbanot themselves. What about when you have extra? Rabbi Shmuel says the Bet HaMikdash should use it for business. Basically, take that money, go buy oil, flour, and all that, and then when people would come to the Beit HaMikdash and say, I'd like to bring an offering, no problem, you can buy it from the in-house store, mm-hmm. right, of oil and flowers, and the money will go to Hekadesh. So they could basically invest it, right? They would go buy things that people would then buy when they came to the Beit HaMikdash of for Kovanah. Only used for Holy Yeah, yeah, of course, of course, but they would put the money into the Hekadesh, good deal, mm-hmm. Right? But then but, the flower must go to Rasa. Well, Rabbi Akiva, we don't do that kind of thing. Don't, don't take the money and start going into business. You don't know what's going to happen. Maybe we'll get ruined. Maybe the prices will go up, go down. Right? So it says, first of all, it looks desperate. It says, We don't want to have, like, it looks like, oh, you, have, you need this money so much that so you have to reinvest it and you have to make more money and all that. It doesn't look classy for the Beta Magdash to be in business. Right? It's like you go to Disney. Everything is for sale. Everything that you go, yeah, yeah. everything. It's like you don't want to have like a situation where it's so commercialized, right? right. Number one. 
Uh, he says, We also don't invest money of the poor. In other words, let's say you have tzedakah, and it's uh, money that for tzedakah, you say, no, I'm going to invest it. Uh, I, I, ha- I have a great investment uh, venture, and I want to put the money in there for the poor people. I'm not going to take the money. I want to make them more money. I want to invest. Right? Mm-hmm. So you shouldn't do that, because what if the poor guy calls you the next day and says, I need a meal. Oh, sorry, I put your money in uh, this investment. Uh, I don't have it. Mm-hmm. So we don't do that either. But they, they, do, that, they do that with the uh, like uh, orphans, right? Orphans. Maybe part of the money, but I think some of it, they, they always have some available. They have to have some available. That, oh, you're talking about estate. Yeah. yeah, estate is different. They're talking about tzedakah for poor people. Yeah, they're talking about tzedakah for poor people. So now you, you shouldn't invest it, even though your intention is good. But he doesn't say what you should do with the extra money. He just says what you shouldn't do. Now, my, so the question is, what about the truma? The truma means these three smaller boxes that they would take out on Pesach, before Pesach, before Shavuot, before Zuchot, of, the, of what's going to be used for the actual korbanot themselves. Yeah. What about the leftover of that? If there's leftover after Sukkot, after that, when you come to the next month, of, uh, the next Nisan, and you're getting a new Shkalim, what do you do with the leftover of that? Right? Yeah, let's say whatever's left. So what do you do? They would put a new overlay of gold in the Kodesh HaKodeshim. Rabbi Shmuel Omer, Motara Perot, Whatever's left over of the fruits, we'll see later what it means of the fruits. Okay, Gemara is going to explain what fruits he's talking about. They go They go to the. Uh, they go to making korbanot for the mizbech when it's empty. Motar truma. What's left over from the three baskets of korban money leklesharet. So he says, don't make it into overlay of gold for the kodesh kodeshim. Make it for kleisharet. Make new uh, vessels that are used, pans, pots, whatever they needed. In the Bet Hamikdash, Rabbi Akiva Omer, Motar to Malakayt Mizbech. No, that leftover money should go for more olot. Because what was it originally for? Korbanot. So make it for olot. Make it for korbanot. Don't make it for overlay of gold of the Kodesh Hakodeshim, and don't make it for kleshorei. It makes sense, right? Motan Nisachim, leftover money for the Nisachim. For the um, if they had more, uh, when if they would end up getting, um, let's say they had a deal with a uh, a supplier. And they ended up getting having extra, having extra in the end because of the prices, price fluctuations, market fluctuations of flour and this and that. So they ended up having extra uh, of the uh, of the nisachim. Well, I was going to explain details of how that would happen. Of course, it should go to korbanot because it was originally going to go to korbanot because it was going to be nisachim. It was going to be the wine or flour that went on the mizbech. So it should still be that. This is the actual wine talking or the money for the wine. That's, the Gemara is going to explain exactly what it is, but uh, either way, since it's designated for the Mizbeach, it should go to the Mizbeach, right? So according to him, the leftover money from the Shkalim that go to the Korbanot, that's the Truma, it's called it the Truma, that should go to the vessels of the Bet HaMikdash. So that's similar to what Rabbi Ishmael said, right? Neither of them agreed with Rabbi Ishmael about the fruits. In other words, we're going to see what that means when we come, when we come up soon. But the, um, but the point is that the question of what to do with the trumata lishka is different than the shiarei lishka. Shiarei lishka is the money. The, when they collected the shkalim, they had, let's say, a hundred, they had in there 500,000 shkalim. I don't know how much, but I'm just making it up, okay? So of that, they would take, scoop it out into these three baskets three times a year. Let's say they had left in the chamber at the end 50,000. Okay, let's say they took out of there uh, 450,000 and they left 50,000 by the end of the year. That's called shirei alishka. It was never scooped up to be used. 
the stuff that was scooped up to be used between Pesach and Shavuot is probably used up. Between Shavuot and, and Sukkot is probably used up. But let's say the last one that they scooped out before Sukkot, yeah. it gets a little bit quiet in the Beit HaMikdash at that point. Because it's winter time, rainy time, maybe they don't have as many, uh, you know, who knows. So by the time you come to the next season, there could still be things in the scooped out that was going directly to the Korbanot. Yeah. And then meanwhile, they collected Nushkalim. Yeah. That's called Chumat Talishka. Truma. The leftover truma, meaning they scooped it out. The stuff that was in the chamber and never was scooped, that goes to the ge- more general building fund, right? More general building fund. Now, Gemara says, Kevish para, the, the ramp of the paraduma. It doesn't really talk about that though. It says, There are three cases where we use a piece of fabric. It's called the lashon. It's called the tongue of fabric, right? Shel seir besela. The one that goes on the uh, horns of the Seir HaMishtaleach has to be a Sela, which is Shel Mitzorah B'Shekel. So that, that has to be a Shekel. So a Sela, we know, means two, right? Usually it means um, because you have to split it in half, right? Because you split half of it goes on the rock and right. half of it stays on the goat when they push him over. So therefore it has to be a double size in weight, right? The Mitzorah, the one that you do with the purification of the Mitzorah, you also take a... Uh, uh, it also says you have a shni uh, tolaat is the word in the Torah that it uses. A worm. It, it means the same thing. It means a red tongue of fabric. They use it for the mitzvah also when he does his purification. That only has to be a shekel size. Shel And of the parat aduma, it has to be two silaim. Okay? So... Uh, the, Are there with the worth of the... No, no, the weight, the weight, the weight, the, the size, weight. the size, That's yeah. Size. Yeah. Rabbi Chonya de Brat Chavrin, Rabbi Babar Zavda Bashem Rabbi Shimon Mechalaf, the Shopagabish Taislaim Mechetza. No, the one of the Paradama has to be two and a half slaim. How do you pay the guys that teach the Kohanim how to do their job? The trainers. Right? The on-site trainers that teach them the laws of shechitas, laws of uh, how to throw the blood, all that. They have to get paid. So what do we do? We take also from the Chumat even though that money is supposed to go directly to Korbanot. We're able to pay them. Now we have to pay them in that unusual way where they, you know, pay them for money and then they deconsecrate the money, whatever. But that's where the funding comes from. Because it's considered to be of the core of the Korban itself because they're actually teaching them how to do the Korban. Right? It's a higher... What? No, Shumat Alishka is the holiest one because normally that goes to the Korban itself. Why, right? why the consecration? Because somebody's it's teaching... Not, not because the, you need a physical object to, to deconsecrate. You need a physical oh. object. So you can't just give them the money. So then Rabbi Yitzchak Bar Yitifa B'Shem Rabbi Imi Mevakri Mumin Kodashi Notin Tzachalam The inspectors in the Bet HaMikdash who would inspect for Mum all the Korbanot to see if they had a Mum they also got paid from that money. Again, because it has to do with the Gufa Korban it has to do with the Korban itself. Right? Even the people, the, the sofer who had to come check this and correct the sefer Torah of the of the Bet Hamikdash also got paid from that. Um, they had a main one that that everything else was corrected by. No, no, no. They had a main sefer Torah in the Bet Hamikdash that every other sefer Torah was corrected by. Yeah, it should say there were, di- there were two courts that were full-time courts who had to judge 
um, in uh, all day long. So they weren't able to, they were dealing with monetary cases all day long. And because of that, they weren't able to have separate jobs outside of their community service. They got paid also from Tumat Lishka. Not only that, the women who would weave the parochet for the Beit HaMikdash, they would weave the... Uh, uh, for the separating thing between the um, the curtain between the uh, Kodesh Kodeshim and the Kodesh, they also got paid from that money. Rabbi Chonam Amar Mitumat Bedek and Rabbi Chonam said, "No, that comes from Bedek That comes from the upkeep fund, not from Tumat Lishka. What's the difference? Ma Palik Shmuel Avad Lake Korban Ravuna Avad Kebinyan. The question is, do we view the Parochet like a Korban because it's in the Bet Hamikdash and it serves in a way as part of the service? Right, especially during the during uh, Yom Kippur, he splashes the blood towards it. It serves as part of service, or do we look at it as a uh, part of the structure, and therefore it should come from Bedekabait? That's his name. come from the the main money, right? Um, Whatever is left over of the money or the fun, or, or the you know the money that is left over from nisachim that would have gone to uh, uh, to uh, wine and flour that accompany korbanot, they take that money or actual physical leftovers that they deconsecrate because it's left over. Either way, right? They use that money for the to maintain the mizbeach, the golden mizbeach. And the clay sharet, the the service vessels, okay. The the outer altar of the korbanot and the hechal, the inside building and the courtyards, they are maintained from the money of the shirei alishka, which is the money that isn't picked out, isn't separated out into the small containers, but is just in that chamber itself. Chutz lazarot, anything outside of the azarot. Anything outside of the uh, of the uh, of the courtyard areas itself, I mean, that comes from a different fund, the building fund, the bedekabait, and that's what we're going to start for today. What? He says, what? He says, Oh, you have the opposite in yours? I have in the square brackets, and the mishra in round brackets. Really? But the second part, the opposite. Interesting. I'm looking, yeah. Yeah, the Gra here has, yeah, you're right. Because the Gra has, Mizbach HaOlab Ba'in Mi Bedek HaBayit, Chut Azot Ba'in Mi Right, that's the Gra's version. So they took the Gra's version for that. So it's obviously a uh, disagreement among the manuscripts, which is which. Okay, so I'll continue here.